chapter two of sowing and reaping by francis e w harper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two the decision i hear bell said jeanette rowland addressing her cousin bell gordon that you have refused an excellent offer of marriage who said so aunt emma i'm very sorry that ma told you i think such things should be kept sacred from comment and i think the woman is wanting in refinement and delicacy of feeling who makes the rejection of a lover a theme for conversation now you dear little prude i had no idea that you would take it so seriously but aunt emma was so disappointed and spoke of the rejected suitor in such glowing terms and said that you had sacrificed a splendid opportunity because of some squeamish notions on the subject of temperance and so of course my dear cousin it was just like me to let my curiosity overstep the bounds of prudence and inquire why you rejected mr romaine because i could not trust him couldn't trust him why bell you are a greater enigma than ever why not because i feel that the hands of a moderate drinker are not steady enough to hold my future happiness was that all why i breathe again we girls would have to refuse almost every young man in our set were we to take that stand and suppose you were would that be any greater misfortune than to be the wives of drunkards i don't see the least danger ma has wine at her entertainments and i have often handed it to young gentlemen and i don't see the least harm in it on last new year's day we had more than fifty callers ma and i handed wine to every one of them oh i do wish people would abandon that pernicious custom of handing around wine on new year's day i do think it is a dangerous and reprehensible thing wherein lies the danger of course i do not approve of young men drinking in bar-rooms and saloons but i cannot see any harm in handing round wine at social gatherings not to do so would seem so odd it is said jeanette he is a slave who does not be in the right with two or three it is better wiser far to stand alone in our integrity than to join with the multitude in doing wrong you say while you do not approve of young men drinking in bar-rooms and saloons that you have no objection to their drinking beneath the shadow of their homes why do you object to their drinking in saloons and bar-rooms because it is vulgar oh i think these bar-rooms are horrid places i would walk squares out of my way to keep from passing them and i object to intemperance not simply because i think it is vulgar but because i know it is wicked and jeanette i have a young brother for whose welfare i am constantly trembling but i am not afraid that he will take his first glass of wine in a fashionable saloon or flashy gin palace but i do dread his entrance into what you call our set i fear that my brother has received as an inheritance a temperament which will be easily excited by stimulants that an appetite for liquor once awakened will be hard to subdue and i am so fearful that at some social gathering a thoughtless girl will hand him a glass of wine and that the first glass will be like adding fuel to a smouldering fire 
oh bell do stop what a train of horrors you can conjure out of an innocent glass of wine anything can be innocent that sparkles to betray that charms at first but later will bite like an adder and sting like a serpent really bell if you keep on at this rate you will be a monomaniac on the temperance question however i do not think mr romaine will feel highly complimented to know that you refused him because you dreaded he might become a drunkard you surely did not tell him so yes i did and i do not think that i would have been a true friend to him had i not done so oh bell i never could have had the courage to have told him so why not i would have dreaded hurting his feelings were you not afraid of offending him i certainly shrank from the pain which i knew i must inflict but because i valued his welfare more than my own feelings i was constrained to be faithful to him i told him that he was drifting where he ought steer that instead of holding the helm and rudder of his young life he was floating down the stream and unless he stood firmly on the side of temperance that i never would clasp hands with him for life but bell perhaps you have done him more harm than good maybe you could have effected his reformation by consenting to marrying him jeanette were i the wife of a drunken man i do not think there is any depth of degradation that i would not fathom with my love and pity in trying to save him i believe i would cling to him if even his own mother shrank from him but i never would consent to marry any man whom i knew to be unsteady in his principles and a moderate drinker if his love for me and respect for himself were not strong enough to reform him before marriage i should despair of effecting it afterwards and with me in such a case discretion would be the better part of valour and so you have given mr romaine a release yes he is free and i think you have thrown away a splendid opportunity i don't think so the risk was too perilous oh jeanette i know by mournful and bitter experience what it means to dwell beneath the shadow of a home cursed by intemperance i know what it is to see that shadow deepen into the darkness of a drunkard's grave and i dare not run the fearful risk and yet bell this has cost you a great deal i can see it in the wanness of your face in your eyes which in spite of yourself are filled with sudden tears i know from the intonations of your voice that you are suffering intensely yes jeanette i confess it was like tearing up the roots of my life to look at this question fairly and squarely in the face and to say no but i must learn to suffer and be strong i am deeply pained it is true but i do not regret the steps i have taken the man who claims my love and allegiance must be a victor and not a slave the reeling brain of a drunkard is not a safe foundation on which to build up a new home well bell you may be right but i think i would have risked it i don't think because mr romaine drinks occasionally that i would have given him up oh young men will sow their wild oats and as we sow so must we reap and as to saying about young men sowing their wild oats i think it is full of pernicious license a young man has no more right to sow his wild oats than a young woman god never made one code of ethics for a man and another for a woman and it is the duty of all true women to demand of men the same standard of morality that they do of woman ah bell that is very fine in theory but you would find it rather difficult if you tried to reduce your theory to practice all that may be true but the difficulty of a duty is not a valid excuse for its non-performance my dear cousin it is not my role to be a reformer i take things as i find them and drift along the tide of circumstances and is that your highest ideal of life why jeanette such a life is not worth living 
whether it is or not i am living it and i rather enjoy it your vexing problems of life never disturb me i do not think i am called to turn this great world right side up with care and so i float along singing as i go i'd be a butterfly born in a bower kissing every rose that is pleasant and sweet i'd never languish for wealth or for power i'd never sigh to have slaves at my feet such a life would never suit me life must mean to me more than ease luxury and indulgence it must mean aspiration and consecration endeavour and achievement well bell should we live twenty years longer i would like to meet you and see by comparing notes which of us shall have gathered the most sunshine or shadow from life yes jeanette we will meet in less than twenty years but before then your glad light eyes will be dim with tears and the easy path you have striven to walk will be thickly strewn with thorn and whether you deserve it or not life will have for you a mournful earnestness but notwithstanding all your frivolity and flippancy there is fine gold in your character which the fire of affliction only will reveal End of chapter two